0: Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mind Your OT Business podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park Figueroa. Ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hi, everyone. I want to start this episode by thanking you for tuning in. We just hit 23,000 downloads, which is So fabulous. I'm so excited about the interest in OT entrepreneurship. And I want to check in with all of you to say, how are you? This is a crazy world we are living in right now. I live in California and we are still, of course, on shutdown because of the pandemic. And then just last week, we have a major outbreak of wildfires, which has happened way earlier than normal in the Bay Area region. And we basically are locked inside. The air smells like smoke outside. So I have lost my haven of going to nature as a way to deal with the challenging mental health aspects of being in the pandemic. So it's been really a challenging week. And I think it really helps us to feel as though we are in community when we are going through hard times as people or as business owners in this case, to keep it relevant to this podcast. So, I want to share some news with you about how I've streamlined my work a bit in the last few weeks and how I'm feeling really excited about it and how you can benefit from the community that is being created by it. So, if you have listened to previous episodes, you may know that um, in previous episodes, I've mentioned the Mind Your OT Business Facebook group. So several months ago, I think it was probably in March, I decided to create a Facebook group specifically for discussion of podcast episodes. And that group, it grew, it was several hundred people, I think maybe 300 and At the same time, I also was um, offered the opportunity to take over moderation of the much larger OT Entrepreneurs Group, which has been going for many years. Um, And Sarah Lyon was the moderator of it for many years. But her business shifted more to a focus on OT evidence-based practice rather than entrepreneurship. So she wanted someone to take it over because it's a lot of work to moderate a large Facebook group. And I was so happy to do that. But what that meant was for a while, I was moderating both the podcast discussion group, which was much smaller and felt like I was trying to build an audience by driving people there. And then also moderating the OT entrepreneurs group and moderating the therapy in the great outdoors group for nature-based pediatric therapists. So I was moderating three different Facebook groups. And what happened was as time went on, I realized that if I am moderating the OT Entrepreneurs Group, that is really a space where sharing these podcast episodes is very relevant and sharing my work as an OT Entrepreneur is very relevant. And so it seemed like I was overlapping the two different businesses, having to, to having to have the Mind Your OT Business Discussion Group and the OT Entrepreneurs Group. So what we decided to do, myself and my team, was merge the Mind Your OT Business Discussion Group into the OT Entrepreneurs Group. So Basically, what happens now if you go to um, Facebook, we still have our page for the podcast, the business page for the podcast. But if you go to try to find the Mind Your OT Business discussion group, what it will have is a message saying, we've merged with the OT Entrepreneurs Group, and it'll direct you to go join the OT Entrepreneurs Group. So the reason for that long story is to tell you guys that I would highly encourage you, if you do not already know about this community on Facebook, the OT Entrepreneurs Facebook group, please come join us. It is a fabulous community. It's seven thousand people big right now and and growing by the day we we tend to have 50 people or so per week joining and the reason i would highly encourage you to go is because it is a place to have community and to collaborate with other ot's i assure you this is not a spammy group where people are just constantly trying to get business for themselves this is a group of true collaboration and community where you can quickly get answers for you know by polling seven thousand people by posting a a simple question, you can quickly get answers to those little tricky things that come up in business. Now, you know, we're not lawyers, so don't take legal advice there or anything like that. But I love the community. Even before I was moderating it, it was my absolute number one favorite place to hang out on Facebook. And now that I'm moderating it and getting to know the people even more and and seeing how um, the different posts that come through, I am just so in love with the community there and highly encourage you guys to go there. It has been a major um, source of positivity and a space to be real too. also when things are hard to to just share the negative things as well and to have a community around us while we run businesses. I think this is so important because all of us know that as OTs, our profession often doesn't understand entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurship resources that are often out there in the world don't really understand the OT philosophy of things. They don't understand OT. So as OTs, we don't understand business as business people. They don't understand OT. In this OT Entrepreneur Group on Facebook, you have a space where everybody is interested in those things and learning about those things and can we understand one another. So it's a space to be really real about your business and get community. So I can go on on and on about it and I'm sure I'll want to go back and edit out some of that because I was very repetitive, but I'm going to say better done than perfect and forge ahead with this episode. So go join the Facebook group, OT Entrepreneurs, you'll love it there. Speaking of positivity, I was so encouraged by this interview I did for this episode. On this episode, I interview Sheila Ivlev. She's an occupational therapist and the owner of OT Bay Area. So she's right here in my own geographical area. But her passion and in her business is serving others to improve their mental health and wellness. So she has a wellness-based occupational therapy practice. And she reached out to me in July, way back in July. So I'm recording this end of August to be published in September. But she reached out to me in July because July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And she wanted to... To come on the podcast to discuss healthcare inequity and disparities and really how we can have a role in reducing inequity and reducing healthcare disparities in our work as OT entrepreneurs in our businesses and how we can consider these things as OT business owners. So I loved the idea. But I had to write her back and say, I don't have time to record and publish this episode in the next few weeks. So I already had episodes scheduled for July and August at that time. And so I said, this can be the September episode. So you're listening to this in September, but that's kind of the background as to the story of how Sheila and I got in touch. It is never... A bad time to discuss these important issues. Like, whenever we could talk about this for forever, and it would be an, an appropriate thing for us to talk about as business owners. So, in this episode, you are going to learn, she had some really surprising answers to some of my questions. So, you're going to learn a variety of ways to serve all the possible people in your niche market. So you'll be surprised that Sheila did not say we all need to serve everyone. And you've heard me say this before, probably, if you've listened to the podcast, that no business can serve all people. But she just engaged in a really honest conversation with me and helped me think through some some sticky points um, that I struggle with in my business. So I get kind of vulnerable and, and share some things about my own inner thoughts around um, putting myself out there to kind of increase equity to our services in my business. And I I hope that you will learn in this episode a variety of ways that you can really keep your niche in your business, keep your ideal client, but make sure that you're serving as wide a range of people as possible within that ideal niche. So you will learn so much from her. And I just appreciate her coming on and taking time to talk about how we have to get over our fear and discomfort and really put ourselves out there to increase equity and access to our services as OT business owners. So I think you will learn a lot. And please enjoy this lovely interview with Sheila. Okay, we are now live. Thank you so much, Sheila, for coming on the podcast today. And I want to start out by having you tell everyone a little bit about your practice because we already, I do this all the time. I talk to people before we hit record and then I'm like, oh, wait, we should be recording this. So I feel like so much of what we've already talked about about your practice is so important for people to hear. So tell us about your practice and also a little bit about how you reached out to me and why we're having this conversation in the month of July today two
1: I, okay. questions in one <laughs> yeah well first of all having me um and so i have a wellness based occupational therapy practice um and because of covid-19 i'm fully virtual right now so i don't see any um clients face to face and um my OT work experience has been in mental health, and I actually was in mental health before I became an OT as well. Um, So I work with clients that have psychiatric diagnoses, and I work with people who don't have any diagnoses that really just want to improve their emotional health
0: cool. Okay. Yeah. So it is mental health and that's, what's so important. I think for us, a lot of times as OTs, we think you work in mental health, you must work in a psychiatric facility or like an outpatient facility that works with people with mental health or, you know, mental health diagnoses. Um, but I love that you're, you have the wellness aspect to it. And I, I kind of want to, I know, I know we want to talk about, there's so many questions in my <laughs> mind now, cause I want to go down so many roads, but, um, I want you to talk a little bit about how you manage having two different clients in your practice. And then we'll talk about why we're having this conversation in July. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I, I will say my work history primarily has been in like inpatient locked psychiatric facilities mm-hmm. or hospi- hospital hospital-based like outpatient facilities. Um, I also um, ran a community-based uh, occupational therapy mental health clinic that was standalone. So those are definitely okay. the traditional models. And I'd say my, my clients that either have a diagnosis or they don't have a diagnosis, I don't think I'd, I'd really put them in different categories. It's really, really? based on what they want to work on. The reality okay. is... If somebody is um like if they're having a psychiatric emergency, I'm obviously not the right person to work with them. Um right. especially in that moment. So, you know, anyone that I work with that does have a diagnosis diagnosis, they do have a psychiatrist that they're working with or like a psychotherapist that they're working with. So I'm just one of their other providers, basically. Okay. Okay. So, so I would how- say that would probably be the
0: Right. So I love this that you're not, and it's coming from like a real strength-based approach then. You're not saying like, well, you have a diagnosis, so I need to market to you this way because you're having a real crisis of mental health while someone else, like maybe you're, it's more a mild problem. And so we're going to like treat you differently. I think it's a very, it's coming, it's treating everyone the same as knowing that we all have mental health challenges at some point in life. They just change and yeah. Ebb and flow I, as things change.
1: I think like an important statistic is one in five people have a mental health like diagnosable condition and mm-hmm. everybody has mental health, right? Yeah. So that's like one in five have mental illness. Everybody has mental health. So yeah. you know, we don't really live in a society where it's like acceptable to just go out and talk about your mental health and get mental health care. So right. part of what I want to do is destigmatize it. So whether you have a diagnosis or not, kind of like what all of us OTs do. It really doesn't matter what your diagnosis is. Obviously, we want to know about symptoms. We want to know about like contraindications to um, what our interventions are. But really, like we're treating you as a person, and we right. want to know what's important to you. And so, you know, that's no different in mental health.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could see where I could see where diagnostic categories might be helpful if you're looking for like evidence for how best to proceed to support someone who might have that that. Um, you know, kind of array of symptoms or whatever. But I love the I love how it's it's just normalizing it because so much of mental health needs to be normalized. It needs to be like, this is something that we all need to be talking about. It is okay to talk about mental illness. It's okay to talk about feeling unwell mentally and and the more that we bring those things to light, I think the more our our healthcare system can change. Because my gosh, doesn't it need to change? Like, yes, yes, for mental it needed health? to change I mean, a long
1: time ago. Just like the physical health aspects, but like everything that's wrong with the system for physical health conditions, it's worse for mental health. Yeah, all of those issues exist, and then there's like more. There's added layers.
0: Yeah, it's like it's not taken seriously. My own personal experience with family members has been that it's not taken seriously until it's really 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 bad um and so anyway but I digress um so tell us tell us I'm sure we'll get back to some businessy questions too because all of this is related to business and can you tell I want you to tell everyone how you reached out to me and why and um kind of your your work in that area
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think this this was the perfect segue because um, we're in July now. I know this is going to come out later, but July is Minority Mental Health Awareness Month, and so um, I reached out to you because um, one, you put out this like really raw, vulnerable podcast about what's been going on with just you know race in our society and how um, how it impacts OT in our practice, and to be honest. I felt like a lot of people were like uncomfortable or avoiding this conversation or much like you said, like really felt like there's really not a place for it in our business practices, especially those of us that have our own business. And we're not in that like standard um, healthcare model that's like assigned to a hospital or a clinic that's associated with it. And it 100% is, um, it 100% does have to do with what we do as OTs and particularly as business owners. Um, So, you know, I reached out and I was like, one, not too many people know what OT does. Um, Not many people know that OT is in mental health. And even within our profession, not many OTs know about what Um, mental health OTs do. Right. Um, So it's just like the timing was kind of perfect with everything that's been going on. People are educating themselves a little bit more now. People are more aware of just the disparities um, with race in all of the systems, particularly in healthcare for us. Yeah. Um, And so I reached out and just wanted to like, Get into it,
0: <laughs> yeah, get into the whole conversation, and so that is, and, and I remember I think my reply back to you was like, yes, 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 I love this topic um, are you are you okay if it 's like really businessy like if I ask you business related questions because there's so much here there's there's what you just said is so much to unpack right we 're obviously not going to be able to unpack it all in an hour, but hopefully we'll get to some real um, Good kind of insights that maybe will help people as they're running their businesses to be more aware of um, disparities, to be more aware of of thinking about mental health as you create a business. I think that's, that's a really important um, thing for all people, right? Um, mental health for everyone that you treat and to think about how you can um, kind of work as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur. I think this is really important for us, especially as OT or therapy business owners. So um, let's let's dive in a little bit to can you talk a little bit? I know it's hard to like analyze all the statistics, but there are real clear proven inequities in our healthcare system. Specifically, let's try to focus on mental health since that's the, the July um, the July theme, right? As far as like inequity in accessing mental health. Among different races, correct? Yes. Is that what? Yes. What are some of the things that should be of concern to us as OT business owners?
1: So, you know, there are racial disparities in just healthcare in general, like mm-hmm. I, I kind of briefly mentioned. And so, in mental health, um, you have those same disparities, but you have added layers of people being. Um, Discriminated against because of their mental illness and because of their race, right? So yeah. that leads to people either like not seeking care, or maybe if they are seeking care, they're not trusting of providers. So that's yes. going to impact their compliance with care, showing up to appointments, like following through um, with a, what a provider recommends, right. and um, also just um, within different um, racial groups or ethnic groups, there's also taboo and additional stigma. And, you know, again, you know, as OTs, we talk probably a lot about cultural competence. We've been learning about it since school. And it's not just knowing a little bit about somebody's background and having that inform your treatment, but also like understanding how does their um, experience with racism impact their mental health. So even if you're not in the mental health um, business, if you are like strictly, um, if you're in Peds or if you're hands on and like Mm -hmm. strictly doing fizz, did stuff, likely if you're working with somebody um, who is a person of color, they've probably experienced some racism in their lifetime. They've probably had some discrimination based on race um, in their, um, their like access to healthcare or their healthcare experiences. And that's a hundred percent going to impact how they work with you.
0: Of course. Yeah. And I think that that, oh my gosh, so many things here. Um, I, I think as we work as OTs, we really need to be cognizantly aware of all that and aware of our own biases. I mean, we talked some before we, before we started recording too, about like, just being aware of bias is the first thing that you kind of need to do to do the work, to know that your filter is not going to be the same as someone else's filter. Um, but I, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if we always do that as OTs. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not sure if we're doing it to the level that our practice act would encourage us to do, or our, our um, framework would encourage us to do, like the OTPF. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, don't know. It, I,
1: I, I like, I w- just even, not even thinking about, um, you know, what's in our, our practice act, but really just like as humans, we focus on life through our own personal lens. So OTs, you know, I I think everywhere I've ever worked, everyone loves OTs, right? They might not (laughs) like some other providers, but they love We're so great. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's like, it's easy for us to build trust. We really try to get to know our clients or our patients. Like I think any OT that I know truly practices client-centered care, but you're still looking at your client through your own personal lens, right? You haven't lived their history. So, you know, it doesn't matter um, how amazing you are. You do have these inherent biases, these implicit biases, just based on like where you're from and what you've been through.
0: Right. And if you, if you aren't willing to kind of do the work and look at those biases and see how they're informing, it's like lifelong work. It's not something that you, that you just like come to and, great, you know, your biases and you're done. It's, it's like this constant, I always go back to this idea that I, I learned when I was, I think it was in my master's program. Um, Anne McRae, she worked in, she worked in uh, psychiatric mental health OT her entire career. Like she is well known, has written the psychosocial books in our, in our um, textbooks for our um, academic programs. But one of the things she taught me, she was one of my professors in my master's program and one of the things she taught me was this idea of bracketing. Like, like it's the, it's the process of when you are working with a client or in general, but like specifically for OTs, like noticing your own bias and like consciously, it's like a symbol essentially like bracket that opinion that you have about whatever that cultural bias you have or the judgment you're making on some other person, you bracket it and you set it aside to try to like come to the situation with fresh eyes in that person's um, kind of to connect with your client or whatever, without your biases. Now we all have biases, but I love that frame of like, just, just that concept of bracketing has been really helpful to me to notice my own bias and like, oh, there's my bias and set it aside so that I can try to be like truly present with another human, you know? Um, I don't know. That was her big thing. she she like, taught us that loud and clear. And I think it has stuck with me all these years because of it. She's, she was awesome. She's a great professor.
1: Yeah. I, she, um, she retired by the time I was a student, but I have interacted with her, um, and am working with her a little bit right now. So she is amazing, but it's a great point because, you know, what she's pointing out is like, you have to be aware, right? There's this, um, there's this concept of colorblindness that I've heard a lot of people talking about. And it's like, you don't want to do that, right? Like, especially as OTs, we want to acknowledge differences. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like, if if you're colorblind, then you're completely ignoring a person's experience, especially, um, you know, if they've experienced racial trauma or discrimination right. in healthcare or you know, any anything that's impacted their life by being colorblind. You're completely ignoring it, and so yeah. like, just being aware of um, not only your own biases, but actually like really diving into to. Where your client is at, what they've been through, right, um, and what makes them them is is really important.
0: Yeah, I would even, I would probably, I'm a, I would argue that I don't think anyone is really colorblind. I th- I, I think our, they can say they are, right? right. I mean, I know, but but like, but and I and I get, I understand. I wanna I want to speak to listeners who might be like annoyed with me right now for saying that because I know that some people might be. And but I, what I would what I mean by that is. I understand the sentiment behind it. I understand that people want to embrace everyone and that all people are equal. And like, really, there's a, there's, when people, I think when people say, well, I'm colorblind, I don't see race or they're, they're intending to say, I believe all people should be equal. I treat everyone equal. But the reality is that research has said that we all have biases towards our own, like, just evolutionarily. Is that a word? Like the the research shows that we have bias. And so it's, it's to be aware of that and to not like, we, we almost don't want to be colorblind or is that the term we were using? Yeah. Like we, we want to see the differences and like honor those and, and try to understand them as best we can coming from very different life situations, histories, like everything. Um, So I think that's a really important thing that I want. I want to honor. I know that I know that a lot of this can be political and and um really hard to talk about. That's something we talked about before we started recording too that sometimes white people shy away from this topic because they're worried to say something wrong or offend or you know they just don't want to talk about it. But I but I I want to I want to really give it a thoughtful discussion here so that that people understand like this is not a political agenda. It's an ethical and moral issue that we all need to be dealing with. We need to learn how to engage in conversations about race and in conversations about inequity without making it politicized, but like a like a human problem that we all can work together to solve, regardless of what your political <laughs> standpoint is on the issue. So that being said, that's all I'm going to say on that issue. Um, so OK we're talking a lot about inequity we're talking a lot about not not being colorblind but like honoring differences and and wanting to like um let's let's talk about now what can we do as business owners like how can we work to be more equitable as ot business owners in our practice so could you talk a little bit about the idea of um of equity maybe let's start with that yeah. Because maybe we need to define that before we talk about how to do it in our businesses.
1: Yeah, well, um, you, you can you can tell me if I'm going off track. But when I think of equity um, or lack thereof, I think yeah. as business owners of those of us with niches, I have a niche, right? I work in wellness um, and mental health. And so um, when you have a niche, you have to recognize that you are actually um, – being exclusive, right? You're not including large groups of people. Um, and so in order to be equitable, you don't have to change your business model. You don't have to like completely change, um, you know, who, who you're servicing, but you really want to think about what I'm providing, the service I'm providing. Are there groups of people out there that could benefit from it that, I'm not reaching out to that they're not in yes. like my scope of marketing, my reach, my um, like I'm not naming them. Um, you know anyone who has listened to anything at all about private practice it's all about niching and like yeah you want to niche down to that one ideal client you know what they look like you know how old they are you know <laughs> what they do for fun right, right.
0: So, where they shop what websites what facebook yeah. groups they're in like what they yeah. say <laughs> what they so, buy where they spend money what their values are like, all that yes
1: yeah and so like totally hear you <laughs> what what do they look like you know wh- when you're niching it let's be honest, it's kind of impossible to be inclusive um, and completely equitable, but Mm. whatever, you know, I I don't think it's a bad thing to niche because that's what you're good at, right? Like that's your specialty. So I'm not telling people to change their business models, but just kind of start thinking about who are you leaving out? Who could benefit? Um, You know, part of those um, disparities um, with uh, races in healthcare, it's, it includes like access to care awareness, right? Education. And so when you're niching and you're only targeting that, that audience, what about everybody else that could benefit from education and information about what you do and like, how else can they access those services?
0: Okay. I love this. It's, it's helping me to think about, I, I think what you're saying sounds like we as business owners should be thinking about, are there populations that we could serve within our niche that have traditionally been marginalized or not allowed access to the service that we are providing, um, and, and that may be experiencing inequity in healthcare with the service we're providing. And I, I love that you made it so clear, like we still can niche, but we need to be aware, are we reaching all the people that we can in, within that niche? Is that yeah. a good yeah. summary? Yes,
1: and it doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, we all have different things going on, right? Like your practice might be at capacity and you can't take any more, or maybe you're in a lot of debt because of everything that you've invested in your practice. So like, what else can you do? Can you find an alternate provider? You don't have to Mm -hmm. take on um, additional people that you don't have the capacity to, or if you're thinking about some people may not be able to access care because they can't afford it. Um, Right. And, and you don't have to be taking on clients pro bono necessarily, but can you find alternate providers? Can you at least provide, like, can you do some type of outreach or something within um, more diverse communities, communities mm-hmm. that you wouldn't otherwise be thinking of reaching out to, just to give them that information, you know, like just going back to O.T., there are tons of people that have no idea what OT does. Right. Um, I feel like my husband doesn't 100% run right. what I do. You know, So there are, right, right. there are definitely marginalized communities out there that have no idea what you do and how they can benefit from your services. So even just that education bit is important.
0: Yeah, I, so a question came up for me because you're a person of color, but I'm white. So I, I mean, I'm assuming you identify as a person of color. Right. So, so uh, the question that comes up for me being a person who is white is like, I, I think sometimes I am fearful of like the whole white savior. Like, I don't believe that I have all the answers to come in and be like, Hey, well, with my practice, it's like nature for kids, things like that. So to come in, um, I'm, I'm just going to go there to like a primarily Black urban school, like like there are schools in Oakland that are primarily black kids, like like there'll be, you know, most of the kids are or or black and Latino, I would say. Okay, so black and brown children at this school, if we're going to call kids by the color of their skin, but (laughs) they are much more than that. But let's be let's be honest. If I'm going to go into that school, I feel very much like I will need to establish like relationships with people in that school or families in that school before I'm coming into the school being like, Hey guys, like I have this really great nature-based service and I can come in and talk to you about how important outdoor play is and all that because I, I don't want to come in acting like I know all the answers and I have the answer to developmental problems that your child may be having or whatever. Even though, even though, and again, I'm going there, guys, sorry, I'm, I'm just going to be real talking about race here, even though I might do that in a mostly white school in the hills, because their PTAs eat that stuff up, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to be honest, like, I, I truly feel like, I don't want to go in with the like, white savior, let me tell you what I think is good for your kids kind of thing. And I I want you to talk to us about, specifically to white OTs, because we know our profession, at least in the US, is like yeah. 80% white, right? Yeah. So how do we get around that? Like how, like Because it's not that I want to leave those kids out. Like I would love to serve more of those families. And we do scholarship a significant amount of kids. But um, And also, that being said, don't want to assume that people of color won't pay for a service either, because my husband gets very angry at me. He's like, why does everyone assume all black people are poor? They are not, you know? So let's be honest about that too, that we're not talking about like all black people are poor. That is not something that I want ever anyone walking away from this podcast to hear me saying, I'm just talking about inequity in the Bay area where there is extreme poverty and extreme wealth and my own struggling with this and not knowing really what to do. So help me, Sheila. Yeah. Or anyone else who wants to weigh in on the conversation in the Mind Your OT Business Facebook group (laughs) to talk about this episode where I have been way too real. Okay, go on. (laughs) Uh, Well, I want to
1: just take a step back and say, I do identify as a person of color, a woman of color, but I was born and raised in San Francisco, okay? Yeah. So I grew up in a bubble. I grew up in a very privileged, um, diverse, like, lifestyle. And so- and I, by no means, am an expert on this topic. I, there, like, there are experts, definitely, but nobody knows all the answers. Not one right. person knows all the answers. Right. We still have these problems, so nobody knows the answers. Yeah. Um. So you know, like, I get that it's going to be uncomfortable for for some people, but again, just kind of going back to, you mentioned like, this isn't a political issue. This is a human issue. So Mm -hmm. you have groups of people that either can't access care, um, when they are receiving care, they're receiving worse care. Um, you have groups of people that because of their, um, negative past histories within the healthcare system are either not seeking out healthcare or they are really skeptical when they are, are receiving yeah. care. Um, and so they might not be really advocating for themselves to get the best care that they can because mm-hmm. they don't know how, right. They've only right. had negative experiences. They expect the worst outcomes. Um, so, you know, like this is where our niches are great, right? You have this like amazing expertise that not everybody might want to work with an OT, not maybe everybody can afford it, but you can, you can still provide information for parents, how they can work with their kids to access nature and how they can benefit how their kids, you know, can, um, work on their development and all the other skills that you provide. And like, I would say, go in as an expert, go in, like sharing what you know, and it's not, you're not going in, um, because you're trying to, help or save like a specific group of people, you're going in because you know, okay, all my clients look like this. Why is that? Why yeah. aren't I seeing different clients? And could other kids be benefiting? So let me go to these schools that aren't um you know primarily white. Yeah. That aren't primarily white and let me share my information. I mean maybe talk okay to- principal or a counselor, yeah. or something that like knows the needs of these kids, right? You can't make assumptions either. Maybe these kids yeah. are all getting everything they need, which is probably not true because in any school, in any city, well, regardless great. of diversity, Yeah. So like go, you know, just thinking about going in as the expert that you are and what can you provide? What do you have to give? Also, what are you willing to give, right? I'm not going yeah. to go in and do all this pro bono work necessarily. Right, right.
0: Right. Um, Well, and reality is right now, I don't have time to expand. Yeah. I don't have time to do those things, right? Because of my coaching practice and my PhD program. There's a lot of things on my, after the PhD list that are building up that I want to do. So what I'm hearing you say is, is almost the opposite of what I was thinking, which is really getting my wheels turning because I feel like in, in many ways, and maybe this is, maybe this is, I'm confusing the conversation about race with the conversation about how OT can help, you know, like you're saying, go in as the expert. I'm like, but I'm not an expert. I shouldn't go to any community where I'm not of their race and tell them I'm an expert on something, but more it's like, it's like putting myself out there, trying to have the good intention of just giving more equitable access to information. Yes. Um, And and if people are going to judge that, then so be it. You can't ever please everyone anyway. If, if you learn that as an entrepreneur early, that's a good thing because sometimes it takes many years to get over that whole, like, I can't ever please everyone. Um, yeah, this, this really has my wheels turning because that's not the answer I would have thought that well, you would have given. I, 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 I will
1: say though, like when yeah. you're thinking about your individual clients that you're working with, like, okay, so obviously this whole thing about equity and access to care, education and information, mm-hmm. that's this like much broader category. And when you think about race, it's really just, how am I getting this to everyone? How am I making it equitable? So I'm not yeah. just serving a population that maybe looks just like me, right? Right. Um, but when you get down to that individual client who's coming in and, again, if, if your client is not white, if they're new, if they're coming from maybe like a a school that you're not familiar with, you don't have Mm -hmm. um, other families. And that's when you can ask those questions about race. And yes, they're going to be uncomfortable and you aren't going to know the answers, but it's really just, why haven't you been seeking this care? Did you know about it? Did you not know about it? Did you have any past negative experiences? Did it have anything to do with how you looked? You know, did you feel like providers took you seriously or that providers treated you fairly? If not, why do you think that is, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you can let your your clients bring that up. Um, but with often um, with people of color, race is a contributing factor. Yeah. So, you know, you don't have to say, hey, I'm an expert on race and I'm going to, you know, fix all right. of your problems and, and yeah. make it better. It's really just, you know, how do I make sure that, um, I'm improving that access to care, improving that um, that equity within um, all racial groups, and you know, obviously, socioeconomic as well. But
0: that's a different right, topic. right? Um, well, that that is something. I mean, because our groups our groups have tended to match the diversity of the Bay Area, mm-hmm. but they've all been socioeconomically. I mean, besides the few kids that were scholarshiping, which are not all children of color in the past have not all been children of color, um, but but. Our groups are, are. I mean, the the Bay Area is just a diverse area, you know. So it's gonna. There's a lot of wealthy people in the Bay Area of all different backgrounds. So it's kind of just. It's kind of just a, a factor of where we live that our groups have tended to always have a mix of kids in them. But important to think about. um, Are we, are we serving? In my practice, at least, it it almost becomes an equity issue. maybe race some, but more socioeconomic. Right. And how are we, how are we serving the kids who can't, especially in a cash-based practice? I mean, maybe you could speak some to this because your business is cash-based too. Do you have, like, how do you have systems set up to make sure that you're serving both race and socioeconomic, a, a racial and socioeconomically diverse body of of clients?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, outreach is huge, right? It's mm-hmm. like, who, who am I reaching out to, to share about my services? Um, and so okay. I am reaching out to like local community groups, um, groups that actually are targeted towards um, people of color. I, you know, okay. I don't, ex- I don't expect everyone to do this. This is just me and what, you know, what I am able to do. Yeah. I do have sliding scale um, services. You yeah. know, I, I, I do offer um, like free and low cost services because I'm able to do that. I don't expect everybody to do that. Um, right. And it's 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 just needs-based, you know, so yeah. it, it doesn't, it's not particularly for any groups of people. I right. just reach out to wherever I can and in particular make it a point to reach out to communities that wouldn't know about OT and our services um, and that might not have access to care
0: okay this is wonderful because this has just given me like i had a light bulb moment while you were talking where i was like okay going to where the 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 people are where am i where am i putting my materials even like do people in east oakland this is like a a a lower income area of the Bay area. Do I put marketing materials there for my private pra- I'm using myself as an example, just so everyone can, I'm not calling anyone out. I'm like being vulnerable myself here. I think I have not done that outreach for fear of not being able to serve the people that might call if we filled our scholarship. It, it's, it feels hard for me, but is a necessary step. I think to at least let people in different communities than the communities where I'm currently leaving marketing materials to even know that my business exists. It's a first step. You know, it's yeah. the first step towards um, towards doing something. I was Do you have any take, response to that? Yeah, Am I wrong? Yeah. I don't no, know.
1: You're not. You're you're not wrong. It's it's. I just. I think that it can be definitely a financial hardship for not everyone can offer scholarships, right? Not everyone can do pro bono work. And so, you know, just think about like what resources that you have, like maybe you can take a 15 or 30 minute call with a parent. And if they can't afford your services and you are, um, you know, at capacity with your, with your scholarships, they can be on a waiting list, or maybe you can just provide them some resources, right. You can give them some suggestions, or again, this is where I go back to like finding alternate providers, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Depending on the situation, especially in mental health, um, uh, it's it's important for, in trust for people to work with providers that they can relate to. Obviously, you can't do that with OT because there's not enough diversity in OT, right. but um, just having that list of resources. you know, I have um, a list of resources um, on my website, and I talk to clients as well to give them if they want to talk to maybe a, a psychotherapist or find some kind of organization that they can relate to based on, um, you know, based on their background, right? So, um, you know, there, there definitely are providers, um, in, in OT, um, in, in mental health that, are specifically like their niches are they work with people of color um they work with people That's who good. speak specific languages right like there's like there's all kinds of different things that that come up but just like you know you can start educating yourself and compiling resources that you can share as well or um again, just providing some education. So maybe you reach out to like a community organization and you just tell them a little bit about what you do. Maybe you can do an in-service every once in a while um, and, you know, especially with kids, right? Everybody wants, everybody is really concerned about um, the well-being of of their children. So maybe you can give them some tidbits, things that they can do on their own or even like what to look for, right? Like let's be real, pediatricians, how much time are they spending with kids? So they're the parents not. are the ones that are recognizing if their their kids need more care. So maybe you can give them things that they should be looking for, things that they can work on. So you don't have to go out there and try to find clients if you're not if you're you're at capacity or whatever. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do still I do still struggle, like going in as a white person talking to a whole room of people of color, whether they're Latino, black, it does it doesn't matter. I, I feel I feel like I need a partner or someone that, that, that kind of, um, knows me to vouch for me in a way, because I just am so cognizant of that, like, of that, bi- I, mean, I mean, it's a bias. Like it's a, it's a, it's, it's like wanting, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. it. It almost feels like it's wrong in some way for me to do it. Like, well- I just like, I, you know, personally. This is. You can again, speak fr- is, frankly yeah, to me. I mean, is, really, speak frankly. Is, is
1: my my personal opinion. I can't speak for anyone else. Sure. Yeah. I, I think there's you. You can't be afraid because look okay. at who are our doctors? White men. Who are social workers? White women. Who are? Yeah. OPs, white women. If we all hold back, we're our services aren't going to get out to the people that need it. Like, yeah. You no. Know, Back. If you're good at what you do and you care about people and you want the people that you serve yeah. to have access to good quality care, then you have to get out there. You have to get over that discomfort. Um, yes. you know, I, yeah, I, I unfortunately, <laughs> not unfortunately, fortunately for me, race isn't something that makes me uncomfortable. I, like I said, I grew up in a bubble. Um, yeah. and so you would think that, you know, I, you know, there really weren't too many racial issues that I grew up with. I wouldn't say, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I've lost opportunities because of what I look like or anything like that. Um, but I just happen to be more comfortable maybe because of what I look like my life experience, but sure, you, just, you can't let that discomfort hold you back because you have so much to offer. Um, and if everyone that's white is doing that, we are
0: not going to make any progress. So I heard a lot of things that you just said that were really helpful to me, and I think um, the first is like we need. Well, going back to what we first said, we while we need to be aware of our biases, we also shouldn't let our race or the perception others may have of the race that we come from hold us back from sharing useful information that could help um, bring more equity to the healthcare. That we provide, like the healthcare system, essentially, because we're all part of the healthcare system if we're right. providing services, right? Um, and also, it it totally resonated what you just said. I felt like it was like a pep like a pep talk, you know, like a like go out and do it. Because um, really, what what drove me to start being more vocal about racial issues in the field of OT and in entrepreneurship and all the work I do, and and in my practice even too, which is like a side thing. <laughs> <laughs> this point my private practice um is is the um so w- it was an instagram story actually by a black ot named Brittany connors and she's she goes by at dr connors on instagram and she you know normally her post is full of like she does these little quotes and like she's super positive and she talks a little about ot but she just she just exudes this positivity right and she um she put a story on Instagram about racism and OT, essentially. But it truly did change my, it was like the moment I remember that I became much more aware of, I knew about systemic racism, white privilege, all those terms, because, you know, if you're educated at a liberal school, you generally (laughs) have have been exposed to these concepts. But that moment hearing her talk about, I mean, y'all should go watch it. She has it on her highlights on Instagram. That moment, she was like, here's what I need you to do, OTs. I need you to, whatever you do, don't be silent. Like you need to speak out. And it's almost like I had the same moment when you were talking just now. It was like, I think a lot of times I can, it's like we're hiding behind that uncomfortableness because we're fearful of doing something wrong or we don't want to offend. And maybe our hearts are in the right place, but we just don't take action because we're fearful. And in some ways, like you're saying the same thing that Brittany was saying on Instagram, like, do not be silent. Like if you're silent, you never, nothing ever changes. Right. So as white people, especially, I mean, I I guess no one should speak for their whole race, but like, I, I would speak to the OTs that are white and in our profession in the world nowadays. Like it's especially important that we, we are able to speak out and engage in these hard conversations about race because it's like what you just said. If you don't say anything if you don't go there you just aren't doing anything you're sitting there afraid and uncomfortable <laughs> you know yeah. like
1: i mean and and the reality is you know we're talking about business we're talking about ot business so but i do want to say that it's like with racism, if you aren't standing up against racism and oppression, you're perpetuating it, right? Yeah. So we know that health inequities exist. We know that there are racial disparities in healthcare and like you cannot refute that. There's just way too much yeah. evidence um, that tells you that it exists and it has existed for decades and it hasn't improved significantly at all. Right. Um, and so- you are perpetuating it by not doing anything about it. You know, you're not helping it. It's, it's not getting better. So be uncomfortable. You might get some, um, you know, negative feedback maybe, but like, you know what your intentions are. So, you know, like people are going to hate no matter what you do. Right. So, you know, just get uncomfortable and Again, just going back to being human, like why are we doing what we're doing? We care about people. So we want people to have access to care. We want people to feel like they can trust us as providers.
0: Mm -hmm. And that it is possible. I mean, I think the thing that's encouraging to me about this conversation is that it is possible within a cash based model to do that. You just have to think creatively about what services or Maybe not even services, but like opportunities you might offer like education or materials or free information online, whatever that is, getting it into the hands of people who may not, you may not have considered before in your marketing, you know, um, if you're stuck in that cash-based kind of frame or whatever. Yeah.
1: And and you know, so like because social media is so huge, yeah, you're already giving away so much for free anyways. You just think about, like you said, in marketing, how can we market to other people? Um, you know, when like um Instagram, Facebook, marketing, you actually select your demographics, you know, you yeah. select who it's going out to. So if how can you be more inclusive and get more people um to follow you or whatever so you can share that information. Again, you don't have to just be giving away your services for free if that doesn't work for you. If you want to, awesome, but that's not realistic for everyone. It's like what you're already doing, how can you just increase that reach so that you can reach other people that, you know, might not, might be basically, um, excluded.
0: Right. And I I think, I love that you keep bringing us back to like, it might not be possible for everyone to like give away free services to those people who need them because it's so true. And I, I believe I've shared this before on the podcast, but when I first started out in my business, I had this whole, as many of us do as OTs were like, I'll just scholarship everyone and give away all my services. And my friend who was a business major in college was like, Eh. No, you will not. You will charge people for your services and you will build a business. And then you are going to be much more able. It's like keep the long game in mind, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you establish a business that is financially sustainable and financially successful in the future, you serve so many more people that you would normally never have been able to serve. Now, this is talking a for-profit business. If you're a nonprofit, I, I don't know. You listen to a different podcast that's not my area of expertise but but I'm talking in a cash pay ot practice like a private practice really important to make sure that you're financially sustainable because your business won't survive if 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 you aren't so i so have appreciated that you keep saying like now just know you can think creatively about this. There's other ways to be inclusive and and to increase equity to OT services, specifically mental health OT, which I wanted to get into more and we're like almost out of time. I think I am going to ask the question because I'm just so dying to know. So it's not an equity question really, but... I wanna know how you would define the difference between like what a what a general OT business would be. This is like the first question I said I was gonna ask yeah. you, which I skipped over. Sorry, I don't tend to go in order when I, <laughs> when I interview people, but um, what do you define as a mental health OT practice versus like the way someone who doesn't define themselves as mental health OT might be?
1: Yeah. I mean, the reality is, every OT probably does have an aspect of mental health in their practice, Mm -hmm. whether they know it or not. And we're just so broad scope that it's like, it's hard to give you this small answer. It's like someone asking you, what is an OT, right? You can't. Right. (laughs) Um, But really, so you're still looking at like, all aspects of life. Um, you, you know, I work with adults and that's just because that's my experience. I've worked Mm -hmm. with adolescents, but I just, I know adults better and I work better with adults. Um, and so, you know, through the lifespan, every aspect of life, again, sounding just like regular OT, but you are basically thinking about like how mental health, Psychiatric symptoms things like that interfere with engagement in occupations.
0: Yeah,
1: so you know Sometimes it is something physical right because people have comorbidities we have yeah. uh, We work with people who have both physical conditions and mental health conditions. Um, we work with people who are considered dual diagnosis So they have a psychiatric condition and they have a substance abuse issue and again you know, some people may just have um, the mental health diagnosis, but um, you are really just focusing on how can they engage in their meaningful occupations and what is it going to take to get there? So uh, maybe positive coping strategies. So Mm -hmm. like, that's where it is important to know um, what is your diagnosis? What are some of the symptoms um, that come up for for you? And how can we work around them or try to reduce some of those symptoms? Or like, Again, knowing those symptoms, um, making sure do you need a higher level of care because it, they're they're worsening right. and this isn't working. Um, relaxation, pre vocational skills, like you know, mm-hmm. again, people if they're working or they're not working, if they're students, if they're moms, if they're yeah, um, you know, what whatever is important in their life. We're. We're looking at leisure, self-care, independent Mm -hmm. living. I mean, it's, it's really just what you're already doing as an OT, but you happen to be working with somebody who has a mental health, um, condition, um, some, some like interventions that might be different, um, that you might not be doing. Um, if you're not particularly working in mental health is you might be working with like, um. Skills like dialectical behavioral therapy, cognitive mm-hmm. behavioral therapy. You are going to be providing some psychoeducation, medication management, which we're already doing, right? Right, but right. The, the the side effects and the symptoms are going to be different. Yep.
0: Yeah, I, it's so funny because I think so many OTs think of mental health OT as like this, you know, this black box of what is that? How do who? What do you do as a mental health OT? But so much of it is just OT. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it really is it's just OT. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I,
0: yeah.
1: I, I, I um I taught at San Jose State the psychosocial clinical course, and my uh-huh. students were always like, "Can you explain how this is OT?" And I'm like, "It really just boils down to the occupations. How do you, yes. you know, how do you close that yeah. gap? <laughs> how, how do you have your client like independently and successfully work on?" like whatever it is that is important in their life. And that, that means is just going to be a little bit different than, um, your traditional fizz diz setting, but there's going to be a lot of overlaps too.
0: Yeah. And to know that mental health really does affect our participation in occupations. And to me, it's like true. I say this a lot on the, I feel like people, sorry guys, I repeat myself a lot. It's true OT. Like it's, it's like, it's like mental health affects your participation in occupation, and also occupation is the road back to health yes. and wellness as a yes. human, right? Yeah. So it's just it's it's like how our profession started, you know, that we mm-hmm. use occupation as a means to health. So I love that answer, and I probably should have asked you that question. Maybe I sort of did, but not quite that directly because I, I think if you at the asked. Very beginning. And I kind of digressed. So no, no, it. you're being nice. I don't think I asked directly. <laughs> What else Sheila, is there anything else that you you wanted to talk about but that we didn't hit i don't know I think we did we did most of the questions on on um on the list. Are there other things that you really want to make sure you say that i didn't ask you um I, I will say I think um, you know we talked
1: about marketing and I didn't mention one of the things like you know most of us have websites or we're using mm-hmm. social media just think about your representation yeah. out there. It's, it's so important to, you. your potential clients want to see themselves, right? Yeah. In, in your marketing material. So just thinking about it, like I thought about my website and I was like, my website's not really diverse. Why is that? It's because all the pictures that were available we're not very diverse. So right. you have to look a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just like there, there's just so many ways um, that you can be inclusive um, that really aren't that complicated. And, you know, you just kind of have to step back and recognize like, okay, I'm seeing stuff through my own lens. Let, yeah. me, let me, like you said, that bracket, you know, let me put that aside and think about other communities. How can they see themselves um, getting service is for me, or in this marketing material? Where do they fit in? Do they feel? Do they feel welcome? You yeah, know?
0: yeah. I think it's a matter of of realizing exactly what you just said. Like realizing the perspective of others as they, and that, that's what that's what especially I think it's especially the work of white people to do that. Like to just because a lot of times I think white people are so used to everything we see being like it looks like us, right? like you flip through TV shows or the Band-Aids match the color of your skin. (laughs) That was like the huge thing for me in Peggy McIntosh's article, um, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack, which Anne McRae had us read in my program. That's when I, in 2013, that's when I read it. Um, But that was the thing for me. I was like, oh my gosh, it never occurred to me that people with darker skin cannot get a Band-Aid that matches the color of their skin. That is wrong. You know, like I, I was just... I, that is the, it, there's moments that you have where, where there's like those light bulb moments where you really realize like your, your experience has not been that, the experience of everyone, but it's simple things like that, that I think we need to think about in our marketing. Like do, does our marketing attract a diverse crowd of people, right. you know? So right. I'm glad you said that too. Um, I know I had written hiring practices on here too, yeah. which I know we're a little over, but if you have a minute. Um, this is something I really struggle with. So I'm interested to hear what you would say. Cause I know you don't have employees, right? In no, your, in no your business yet. I don't. not there yet. But, yeah. For me, I feel like it's really hard because there's so few one OTs in general Two OTs that want to work outside, even in the rain, <laughs> you know, like, so it's, it's like, and then three to two, like, try to find someone who's a person of color to make sure that my staff is, I mean, I don't have that many employees, it's like three of three of them and me. So how, how, is it kind of the same thing, like just making sure your workplace is inclusive and like keeping an eye out and like trying to market to possible um, applicants, I guess, to apply for the jobs in the same way we would apply to our marketing? or Are there other things with hiring that we could do to be yeah. more inclusive in our hiring
1: I mean, this is, this is like a hard one because, you know, going back to like that diversity just really doesn't exist. Yeah. So if you're willing to like take a step back even further and like maybe mentor possible yeah. future OTs, right? So like yep. get people excited about what you do. And like, that's going back to the outreach. You know, if you're going into schools where the students aren't getting OT services and probably don't even know what an OT is and you do some like, you know, kick-ass fun stuff or tell them the cool things that you do, they learn what an OT is. Maybe they're going to want to be an OT in the future. Um, Or even like pre-OT students or regular OT students, um, you know, are you willing them willing to have them like shadow you or just kind of reach out and say, hey, if you have questions, you know, um, we're on all these social media groups about our practices and there are tons of students out there that want to learn more. Um, so, you know, just sharing that information, going basically like back in time to create yeah. more of these OTs. Yeah, um, I and- love that. Yeah. And, and I definitely, especially like cash-based practices, you know, they're exciting, they're lucrative for new grads. They want to get into it. And so I have heard stories, um, from, um, from, like new grads that have wanted these mentorships and they felt like they were passed out because they weren't white. Um, so really just like, again, who are you reaching out to? Um, yeah, not, not many of us exist out there, but there are opportunities, um, to reach out to people before they become OTs or, you know, that are training to be OTs or just new OTs.
0: Yeah. And just diversifying your, I mean, I even think about like there was a big push to like diversify your Instagram feed or your Facebook news feed or whatever. I mean, th- I think thinking about the the things we're even looking at on social media, like are we looking at? And I don't just mean, I, I, I don't I don't just mean people that you agree with. I actually think that we should be looking at all different kinds of. Um, opinions and perspectives and being open-minded to a lot of things that we're not, we get very militant in our own beliefs and our own, we have blinders on to like think critically about anyone who would disagree with us. Right. Um, But, but like being more open-minded and thinking about making our networks on social media a little more diverse, um, even if it makes you freaking uncomfortable because, it's hard sometimes to to read some of the very real things that some people are saying about how they feel. <laughs> and we kind of got to go there. You know, we kind of have to sit with that. We kind of have to be aware of that. It's someone's personal experience and it it enlightens you to what the experience of someone else is and you can't negate that experience. You can't say that experience isn't valid. You can you can read it and try to understand it and let it inform how you move forward. And I think just important that we're not kind of surrounding us with people even in our, well, in our personal lives too, but that's a whole nother topic. But but on social media, it's very easy to diversify who you're following, yeah. the different perspectives you're listening to and learning from others, integrating that and thinking about it and reflecting on it and letting it inform your practice and your business. So I think that's one way because then you're mentoring your connections and your hiring practices can kind of grow out of that social network that you have, you know, if it is more diverse than just people that look like you and think like you. (laughs) And
1: and diversifying your feed not only provides you with more like education and information, but you have, then you get these resources, you know. Yeah. um, Like my, I'll tell you my background. My parents are from India. Mm -hmm. So I follow a, a ton of black therapists. Right. Um, And that helps educate me. And then I have a ton of resources for my current clients and potential clients, friends, things like that. So, um, you know, I learned things that I wasn't aware of because, you know, my experiences are limited to my experiences. Right,
0: right. Some of the things you were saying about, um, When we were first talking at the very beginning about inequity in the healthcare system and specifically um, related to mental health, many of the things you were saying I I often see and hear from the hashtag Black Therapist Rock and it's a mental health, it's it's mm-hmm. therapists, meaning not OTs. I mean, I guess OTs could be included in that, but it's, it's a mental health therapist is kind of the, I think the hashtag is mostly used for like counselors and things. But right. a lot of what they, it's been really um, educating for me to read some of the experiences that they post on there, the different things that they share. It's just, it's just, um, it's a good, it's a good hashtag to follow if people want to kind of see maybe a, if you're not black to see a different perspective that you may need to be aware of in your work, especially in mental health. So it's a good one. And they said they, it's a lot of the same things you said. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is, I, it's so informative because you're saying things that I'm like, oh, I was learning that. And it just matches, you know, it's kind of cool to see it, um, best practices being shared, um, across different platforms. So, well, Tell everyone where they can find you. So your business is called OT Bay Area. Are you on social media? Do you have a website? Like where can people connect with you? Because the coolest thing that has happened with this podcast is that people are connecting with the interviewees. So people will hear this interview and then they'll reach out to me to say, it was a great interview and I contacted Sheila and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, so, so it's kind of cool to see that like it's a platform to make, so, to make social connections in our profession. And so I want you to share with people where they can find you or what the best way to reach you is if they yeah. want to reach out.
1: So my website is otbayarea.com. And I would suggest hopping on there. My social media links are on there. My email is on there. Um, and I also have resources. So, you know, if you Wonderful. want resources specific to minority mental health, if you want resources specific to, I have anti-racism resources on there, the other resources. And like, I am the kind of person that, I like to talk, I like to give information. So if you want to reach out and ask me questions or whatever, I'm not an expert. I'm still learning. But and <laughs> no, like you is, said, no this is, is a lifelong process. Feel free to reach out. You know, I am not as popular as you, so I have time, you know, what? I know oh, whatever. You, have, you respond <laughs> right away. But you know, I I I respond to, to yeah. people. I take time to make phone calls and Zoom with people that are interested in mental health or, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing, if you're interested
0: in. Awesome. Thank you, Sheila. This was so, so great. I'm so thankful to have like, an honest space to have these conversations. And um, I do hope that our our conversation kind of had some light bulb moments for other people just besides me. And <laughs> I joke sometimes I do the podcast to get like free business coaching from guests. And I do feel like this was such a good conversation for me to just get wheels turning about how my own business can be more equitable and inclusive. And I'm, I'm thankful for your work in this area. And it's also helping me reframe But like thinking about how what we do in OT is really mental health, because I don't call our services mental health OT, but they are. They are. (laughs) (laughs) They totally are. They totally are. So I appreciate you and I'm so thankful for your time. Thanks so much for having me. So were you guys surprised by anything that she said because I throughout this interview just gained new insights. I was so thankful for her responses and the way that she just emboldened me. I feel I feel similar to how I did when I heard Dr. Connor's comment on Instagram about I can't be afraid. I can't be silent. I need to speak out. No matter what your race is, you need to speak out and put yourself out there. And this is a message for us as OT entrepreneurs. I think the consistent message that I constantly have to preach to myself is that if you don't take a risk, you never experience the gains, right? In in entrepreneurship, we always have to be a little bit uncomfortable. And sometimes marketing to people who are different than us in any way really can be uncomfortable. But it's so important that we think about how our marketing and how the way that we are putting our businesses out there into the world may be contributing to or reducing disparities in healthcare. So I loved this interview and just had so many takeaways. I think my biggest one was that I want to think about ways that my practice could potentially offer free or very reduced cost services for people who may not be able to afford our private pay services, that there's ways that we can do that. Like perhaps having capstone students who work with us create parent webinars or parent resources that we could offer for free to people that may not be able to access our services for whatever reason. It actually expands your reach beyond your local market if you do online things as well. So it's just cool. I, I, I really enjoyed this um, conversation and learned so much and I hope you guys did too. So take a small step, you guys, because small steps make great gains over time. I say it every episode because I believe it so much with all my heart. So until next time, mind your OT business.